everybody, welcome back to an episode of Spotlight. This episode we are going to look at speculation for Star Trek 4 of the JJ-verse. So this will be Star Trek 14, the sequel to Beyond, if it does indeed happen. This is just kind of like our little speculation on what it's might happen. It's a big if. Right it's now. a big if. Like big if goes back and around. As usual, your hosts are Liam, Matt, Paul. Uh, this is one of our supplemental episodes which are away from our main mission of kind of you know exploring uh, the world of Star Trek and seeing if a non-Trekkie can become a Trekkie although we discovered uh, recently that Paul may be fully converted uh, at this point Uh, and that's why he is desperate for Star Trek 4 of the JJ-verse to happen I've, I'm desperate for it to happen in the right way. I think I made my my intentions clear in Star Trek Beyond episode that I do not want to see what they want it to be. Oh yeah, you don't like the idea of bringing four back, no, Mighty Chris Four, Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth into because the fold. Anything that cheapens <clears throat> the wonderful opening ten minutes of Star Trek 2011, 2009, 2009. Anything that cheapens like Star Trek 2009 in my books is not a good idea because mm-hmm. like that opening ten minutes was so perfect. Anything that kind of undercuts that and says, "Oh, this maybe didn't happen," or there's an alternate version to this where George Kirk, as played by uh, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth, yeah. um, survives and, and appears in Star Trek Four, is just gonna just is gonna dilute that. I mean, that that, that instance literally sets up this Kirk's character for the whole series now and in such a great way because it kind of knocks him off course and makes him this character that we know and I, I think it might be a way of them just saying oh shit we're not like happy with the way this Kirk character's developing he's literally the only character developing in isolation Spock all the other characters in the crew are kind of developing in the way they would have done under the original series it's literally this Kirk has been like a point 1.2 or something of the version we knew in the original series so it's almost like we admit oh maybe this Kirk isn't what people want we'll reintroduce the cat, the father figure somehow through time travel and then kind of right that wrong and just make it the same mm. as it was do you think before? they want to course correct to make him more maybe course Kirk correct Bryan. I'm worried they are going to do that because I don't think they should I, I think they need to have more faith in the way he's going and he'll, he'll, he'll become his own Kirk which he is doing absolutely I think by beyond we definitely saw that like mm. Pines Kirk started to make those kind of like heroic decisions where he was you know he kind of got to where he was by the skin of his teeth it's very very kind of like spurious like you know how he ended the, up being the upward failing of the average <laughs> white man I yeah it was, yeah, was pointed out by our previous guest uh, Eleanor and and by um, uh, Rebecca 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 Shortall in, in episode like 12 Into Darkness and th- th- these people were like recognised that Kirk really really shouldn't really be in his position he is uh, total shortcut to the top total shortcut yeah. to the top yeah um, I mean yeah as we've said before and beyond I kind of feel that's the first one where we really feel like this is back to Kirk of kind of the original series uh, what I will say is uh, do do we really think that bringing Chris Hemsworth back has to dilute the opening of that first film because the fact is is surely obviously time travel is going to come into play uh, surely they can go back before um, the death of George Kirk in the first film and it be a kind of city on the edge of forever situation where Kirk has made a decision of does he save his father or not and then presumably he made a decision like no I can't he has to kind of so he has an adventure with his father yeah exactly and climaxes and then, with the same you know, event. Kind of, the same thing happens again and he has to die okay um, we've got well then you've got this other problem of like 
we one of our biggest complaints about this prime uh, sorry uh, this universe the Kelvin universe Kelvin is that it doesn't yeah. get into the five year mission quick enough that's very we're true saying yeah. the fourth film should go back before the first mission even begins and spend I would imagine a lot of the running time spent in that universe and not kind of carry on into the unknown well funny enough all of the films so far have had parallels with their original film counterparts uh, in the second one obviously the Wrath of Khan uh, the third one, uh, you had the parallels of like the destruction of the Enterprise stuff from um, such spot, and with this one, it would be the time travel element of Voyage Home. Uh, obviously, time, they went back in time, and so they'd be going back in time, presumably again. And if they presumably if they make the fifth, they would do a shit sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> um, they do some great campfire uh, stuff. <laughs> so you know, it kind of, it, kind of fit, it certainly kind of fits. Uh, with with that, and I mean, I, I've got to say, I I am I am for this. I'm, How I, could you be for oh, for a time travel plot? I, I am for the return of Hemsworth in that role. I think it's one of those things where, obviously, as an actor, he's become far, he, a far bigger he, deal. Like since I see the temptation. He'd to be bring ten years him. older than he played yeah. him in that. Uh, I just think the way the time, yeah, but Hemsworth doesn't. The way the time travel's so. used in this universe is all in that first movie, and I think to mess around with what it set up and did is a bit counteractive. Where so we've already had time travel, and it's literally the thing that kicks everything off. To do it again, it's like you're jumping back in, and I don't know. Well, bad news. I have some revelations. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. We, oh we yeah. Yeah. About you this. said revelations. Well, this is the latest on Star Trek Four that we've that's come out of it. We, we've had um, Zachary Quinto on the record. There's not much come about out about this film particularly because it, well because it's not been officially greenlit. Has no, it? it hasn't been officially greenlit. So uh, Zachary Quinto has said that you know that there is no script at the moment. It's, you know, it's all that they hope for. But the most recent thing is uh, Carl Urban saying that he hopes that the They'll explore the McCoy family backstory. Oh, yeah. Or you can fucking hope all he wants. I don't know whether that's happening or not. Well, this is what he said. So, he wants like them to look at the McCoy family history a little bit in this film. And I mean, this is literally maybe a wish list from uh, Colburn, but he wants to sort of see the ex-wife situation. Is, is this canon with the original series McCoy? I, I think there's apparently one child and an ex-wife, which we've established in Star Trek. And I kind of really... I hope. So it's not like the super husband situation. I think the only thing that's almost canon was like McCoy's father in that scene from Star Trek V, um, where he, you know he had him sort of appear. Yeah. Scene. But I feel like the fact the way he talks about his ex-wife could be like classic Maris <laughs> or Ka- uh, Mrs. Mannering situation where you like she did never hear about her, but like she's had this awful kind of influence on him. <laughs> Well, I've got to say a couple of things. Number one, I think Urban is getting ahead of himself because actually if we're going with the parallels, well, then they should shave, uh, save any McCoy uh, family stuff for the fifth film and the revelation of McCoy's old family recipe for baked beans <laughs> with added whiskey. Uh, and also, as you say, the flashback with his uh, father... Uh, but not only that, uh, I kind of think that a jokey relationship with his ex-wife is reminiscent of what is currently airing. Oh, if it is Seth yeah. MacFarlane's Star Trek kind of riff, The Orville, which is about a uh, starship captain um, being put on board a ship with his ex-wife. 
Yeah. Uh, and, you know, don't from the parallels. critical reception, I don't think that's worked yeah. out that well. Uh, it's, in, so, it's interesting as well. I, I did read that um, Carl Urban wasn't set to come back for Beyond. He wasn't too keen until he had a meeting with Justin Lin, I think, and they managed to convince him. Now he's the one leading the charge of, like, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that. Understandable, because he was pushed to the fringes on Instagram. Yeah. I mean, he does have a much bigger part I, I of Beyond. Urban's a realist. Like, this is a guy who like did a great sort of leading man role in Dread. Um, and um, but he is well up for doing a Dread TV series, yeah. which I think is a possibility. I think it's, he, it's I think, happening. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the the potential for TV to do Dread, like actually at the cinematic scale, is actually at that point now. I think it could look really good if it's mm. done right. And I think that's a realist in like Carl Urban. He's getting a bit on 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 years. He could definitely play Dread for. A, at least 10 years well yeah especially as most of his face is covered by masks exactly yeah. I mean you're literally it's the bottom jaw he just needs to keep that in shape <laughs> and um, so yeah Carbon could play Dread for a lot and he's thinking like you know oh, well I could do this or that yeah I mean it, it's like a great time on TV for movies having their sequels or next installments on TV so Ash vs Evil Dead that's essentially Evil Dead 4 is that still happening is that still going on yeah season 3 starting soon yeah. season 3 yeah. Have you not watched it? No, it's I'm genuinely it really good. So season one is basically Evil Dead Four, and you just can't kind of fold it because it's got the exact same sort of tone. Campbell's back. It's like this is what would happen, and it doesn't feel watered down at all. So I think it's getting right creative. Right into the end of season. Yeah, two. season two is yeah. really great as well. I've not seen season two. Season two, I won't spoil anything, but the way it kind of ends, it's like there's a lot of changes there's a lot of power struggle with the producers and they wanted to go one way it's gone another way so I think it'd be interesting to see what happens in season 3 because they were going to set something up big for the real season 3 and now it's all changed so hopefully it keeps the standard up but season 1 especially like getting back to the cabin I mean it is the movie it's insane and I'm sure there are other I remember seeing well. trailers it did look like a lot of fun uh, I haven't seen any um, well Raimi directed the pilot, the pilot. Yeah, 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 yeah yeah and he's, so. he's, he's picked directors on that who are really good at doing their own thing and kind of aping the style and tone and the, the new supporting cast brought in that was a big worry I was like you know this is the Campbell show but the, the two other co-leads are yes, both really great I would agree with that oh and just announced um, Scanners as a TV series as well oh really so whether you think most movies deserve a TV spin-off or not a lot of them, a lot more of them now are getting it oh yeah a huge amount I mean, well funny enough even on uh, we were talking about the possibility of Lethal Weapon 5 with uh, Robert Salin oh god um, I, I, on I, I, our uh, on our interview episode uh, which oh, we can like check out and of course the one thing you know might get in the way with it Possibly is that there's a Lethal Weapon TV show lot on now, which somehow hasn't been cancelled. Uh, yeah, I, I, I haven't. Like... I haven't seen it. I, I I've got to say I have no, I've zero interest in this. Uh, uh, really, uh, has anyone seen any of no. it, or apart from trailers? Or, yeah. Apart from the trailers, which looked. Terrible. Its trailer reminded me of. So the three of us went to Vegas ten years ago, and on the plane into Vegas, there were it was like fall TV seasons. So oh yeah, 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 yeah. All these trailers for the new shows, and obviously over there. We don't get them all, and not all of them get picked up. So you see some horrendous trailers for like shows that you think this is a parody. And I think the Lethal Weapon one was a bit like that. It was like, oh really? This is an SNL skit of like what a Lethal Weapon TV show on like, yeah. NBC I, I would, would be like. actually be more convinced by the "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" Lethal Weapon fight. Yeah, than I, would, <laughs> I would have done by this like pilot. Uh, it just uh, looked so bad. Mm. Like I mean, you're talking about TV versions of movies and such. Um, obviously, it's not quite the same. But how do we think Star Trek Discovery will potentially affect 
another JJ vs. Star Trek film, if at all, because obviously Star Trek films and such a TV series have coexisted before. That that happened all the way through the late 80s and 90s, that there were Star Trek films and Star Trek TV series running at the same time. So do you think that has any effect or...? I don't know I don't know how they kind of work in the numbers in the streaming age I mean sure they have like much better data almost I think certainly on Netflix yeah, yeah so you know Netflix being the you know showing the, the viewing figures in the UK at least yes you've got a better indicator of what the interest <clears throat> is I don't but, think they're stepping on each other's toes either because the timelines aren't concurrent are they no so, I, and also I I believe Discovery is set in the Prime universe rather yeah, than the I, I, I find that really funny because it's like um there's been some real, like, kind of tenuous attempts to try and make it, like, fit in line with the original series and saying right. that, like, oh, well, the reason they got different uniforms is because Starfleet was trialling different uniforms at the same time. They'd done it before. And it was, like, showing how... The, the, the example they used was Generations, where they... The reason is the actual production couldn't afford to do new uniforms, so they had Deep Space Nine loans and Next Generation TV costumes alongside each other just to kind of, like, make up the numbers that could actually pass in front of 35mm cameras. Right. Not to do with, like, the fact that they were actually trialling anything, you know, Starfleet. It was a production problem <laughs> that they had to make it look good in front of the camera because it was seven years of use would have yes. been very visible to the um, to the cinema audience. That's very true. You know, but he kind of used that example of, like, well, this is set at the same time as this, and this is why they're different. Right, I see. Yeah, we've seen the difference between the TV and movie when, from that thing you posted a while back, Paul, of Geordie rolling under the door, both in the show yeah. and the movie, and the difference is staggering, so... <laughs> mm. That's very true. I mean, also, something to consider, that surely it is a possibility, being that Star Trek Four within the JJ-verse hasn't even been greenlit yet, that there's a possibility that if another Star Trek film happens, it won't even be set in the JJ verse, or could take a different shape entirely. What do we think the potential for that is? I don't know. I think, I if my gut tells me, I think there's one more in it for this crew. Right. I think there's one more in it for the JJ verse crew. That's it. Though this is their last chance to loom beyond. Didn't do enough at the box office. No. The, the only hope is that Discovery does enough well to kind of say, oh, there might be enough interest in a Star Trek movie if they can keep costs down. Which could lend itself to, like, focusing on the story rather than the effects. I think, you know, the last two have really put action ahead of story. And I think this, this is a chance to just go back to basics a little bit and just do more of a cerebral Star Trek movie. There's a chance they could be, you know, character-driven. I think this is where, like, Urban's, like, really, like, insightful. He's thinking the thing that's going to make this next Star Trek film if it is indeed the last one for the JJ verse it needs to be about the characters it could be that we actually get a little bit more elaboration on the Sulu character and his actual you know his relationship with his husband yeah that would be nice you know rather than this cursory kind of back slap yeah maybe expand on that if they're going to make any waves in this at all and it like literally if it's not going to make any money why just go all out (laughs) Yeah. yeah I mean that's very true I mean that's the thing isn't it I think it's almost if Star Trek Discovery is the big success that you know everybody behind it wants it to be. You kind of think in your head at this point. Whereas before, I think the difference now is that in the nineties, uh, TV and film were such different things. Whereas now they're much f- closer together. So if 
you know, Discovery is doing absolutely great guns like on TV. Um, do they go? What, what's the point in going to the movies anymore? So it's on here on the CBS All Access or the Netflix. You know, stay home, watch Discovery. It could be um, that interesting transition, couldn't it? Where it all melds into one. Can you imagine like a Netflix original Star Trek movie? Like they make a movie and it goes around Netflix. Like yeah, or even the. the JJ vs. Crew somehow cross over with the Discovery crew? Through time travel. Possibly. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I feel like there's enough of a division between like the Paramount division. I mean, in the end of the sense they've been they've been sub licensed to Netflix. It's still CBS Access in America, which is yes. the big the market for it. Star Trek's always done better domestically, i.e. the US. Um, so, you know, it's still quite a, a big leap to say it's gonna go completely Netflix for for the next film. Or, or, or CBS All Access, which is, you know, try and do their own Netflix, essentially. Um, yeah, I, I, I really don't know. Yeah. One don't thing know. I'm kind of interested in is JJ obviously got in hot water with Paramount recently. When So he right. so he had signed, I think it was like a five-year development deal with Paramount and to make movies for them. And the last thing he did, of course, was Into Darkness. And he kind of left that to go do Star Wars because obviously once in a lifetime opportunity you can't see yeah, any Star Wars no they kind of let him on the basis of you know I can't remember there was some money given as well it was like a bit from Disney to Paramount to say we'll have him on loan almost um, he's still producing yeah. Mission Impossible and Star Trek yeah though. but in terms of like his deal involves movies he's directing of course he comes back and now what is it he's back on episode 9 and it's like you motherfucker so he's Oh, the, the deal is they let him go to do nine again on the basis that then he, bloody hell come back and make a movie for us and it's recently been announced that he's I don't know if he's producing or directing like a live action um, direct. your name he is directing that apparently so and that might be anime the film. anime remake of your name so I wonder whether that's going to be his return movie to Paramount or whether he gets back involved with Star Trek I can't see it happening but the whole bad yeah, robot I mean, can tenuous we see connection him coming is... back to direct Star Trek again at this point. No, so I'm wondering if your name is his return movie. Right, that's right, it right, off right, the table. Right. I mean, uh, yeah. Do we think Justin Lin comes back for uh, fourth chapter? I personally don't think so. Being that the box office beyond was not great. I don't think so. Who would uh, be a good other choice? Do you think? Yeah, actually, yes. Think about this. Direct who who would we right now? From the current directors out on the stable, who would we pick for a fourth film? Joe Cornish. Yeah, I can see that. Team I can see what pick. you know. What he was heavily rumored around beyond at the time. Yes, he yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was the closest link to it. it. He was heavily rumored, and I I can see that happening. He, I mean, well, he is finally directing his follow up to Attack the Block. Oh, is he? Yeah, is yeah, that yeah, actually? I can't remember what it is, but it's in place. It's got a cast. I think oh, Patrick okay. Stewart's in it actually because it's been so long since yeah, Attack yeah. the Block. And I know I he's had lots really of almost picking his projects and stuff like that. Um, he'd be um, good, but yeah, probably not. Yeah, he'd be good. I I definitely don't think. Was it Roberto? Orchi who was possibly uh, and I don't think that happened I mean they let Alex Kurtzman direct The Mummy and look what happened to that uh, so you know I don't think that'll happen now I don't think JJ's coming back for it I don't think they'll invite Justin Lin back um, dream pick so dream pick Nicholas Meyer well the thing is Meyer is back for discovery it's a good choice but I would say John McTiernan Oh wow, material out of literal jail rather well, than just movie I, I, jail. I make my thing. I've watched three McTiernan films in the last like three weeks. And what are these? What, what, Die Hard. Okay. You may have seen it. 
it was fucking great. Wait, sorry, die what? Die hard. <laughs> I watched. Then I watched Last Action Hero. Underrated. Last Action Hero is great, and I mean, I actually think well, it's, it's more underrated than you my wife. Because I really like it. Well, this is my wife's choice, and I was like, I, I like it. I mean, I've always liked it. It's great. And I, you know, I've had to take the flag and defend it on occasion. It was one of the controversial... Ahead of its time. Controversial film nights that I've done where... Um, we no one else like, like it. Well, no, oh, we, definitely we do, like, you know, dinner and a movie, you know, every, every Thursday. And uh, it was one of my choices and it didn't go down well. <laughs> but I, I still think there's something in there. Uh, and pretty much because is this friend of the show Simon who was <laughs> be, who was talking about he didn't, didn't like it Simon you were worse than Mr Halliwell <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one was Hunt for October which we watched a couple of days ago oh yeah, yeah, yeah this is a guy who has gone to prison and learned the air of his ways has he <laughs> and, <laughs> and he could show how much his last film was basic in 2003 John McTinnon turned down First Contact he is was, that after Rollerball this before Rollerball. So McTinnon... No, Basics after Rollerball, First Contact before. This is after Die Hard with a Vengeance. So he came oh. back to direct the really good Die Hard sequel, which yeah, I really yeah, like. Yeah, like, yeah, very good, yeah. Uh, and yeah, he was like the premier action director. In fact, yes. he was already aping himself in a way with Last Action Hero. Like he was the director of the kind of spoof of action it, yeah, films. Yeah, like, yeah, they were so yeah. kind of like ingrained in culture. He created this with Die Hard. He was he was te- he was one of the shortlist for First Contact. Too big for Star Trek, but is he too big now? I don't think so. I think <laughs> definitely not. No. I think you know with a criminal record, you're not going to get any jobs. <laughs> Fourteen uh, years in a clink will give you a fresh start. Probably getting very cheap. Well, the only thing he's done is a commercial since he came out of jail, which I think he's just trying to clear some of his legal fees. <laughs> um, so J- John, like. If the Paramount come calling, you should do it because you have the skill. Like it's not, it's not left you. Rollerball didn't kill it completely. That's a really interesting pick for. Um, Look, this is a guy who directed Thomas Crown Affair, nineteen ninety nine. Bron Holmes, best non Bond <laughs> performance in my opinion. What are we thinking about Mister Two Take Franks? Well, Mr. G. Hate Frakes is coming back for Discovery, do you know? He is, yeah, yeah. he is. As is Myra as well. Yeah, but, like, you don't t- you don't compare two takes Frakes against fucking John McTiernan and Die Hard. And you don't, although I would say that First Contact is has a John McTiernan yeah. vibe to it. Yeah. Uh, you know, successfully translated. But John McTiernan can name your price. Well, yeah, that's very true, but I mean, <laughs> I don't think that uh, old two takes is commanding the highest of uh, directing salaries uh, after the busted soundtrack Thunderbirds. To be completely honest with you. Um, if we're talking like action, who who else do you think in, in the current sphere of things? But I thought we want to get away from action. Yeah, no, but just on the off off cuff, like who is the big name in action now other than? Mr. McTiernan, like, is there a... McTiernan's a big I'm thinking, like, Gareth Evans. Gareth Evans. Yeah, the raid for Star Trek. Um, I guess, like, mm. sort of mainstream blockbuster action? Who's the big cheese? I guess it would be anyone in the Furious franchise, which was Justin Lee. Which is Justin Lee, um, and he, he's, he's, he's done he it. Star Trek. Nothing, really. Like, right. He loves Star Wars, doesn't he? Brad Bird? Brad Bird. What about Brad Bird? Like, uh, I can imagine he's got adapting the Star Trek world well, and he did Ghost Protocol, so there's a Paramount plus a Bad Robot JJ connection uh, there. What about Paul Feig, King of the Reboots? 
<laughs> with all female Star Trek cast. Uh, yeah, which I, I, I would watch. Just a male Uhura played by well, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. yeah, it all improvised, of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, with the effects as well. Um, <laughs> improvised as live action. Yeah, improvised as, as it goes. Uh, okay, so who else is making sm- smarter sci-fi? Let's say smart sci-fi. Not smart necessarily sci-fi. just straight up action. Who could translate Denis it to... Villeneuve. Oh, well, he's... Yeah. He's too big for this now. He, he is too big. There's well, no he's way not, he's... In a way, he's actually that. still kind of like the indie author. Even though he's crossing over to like... Arrival is still an indie film. It is, yeah. If it sounds like Blade Runner, Blade Runner on that Blade line... Blade Runner is still an indie film. Like, there's not a... It's not a big household name. We... For, for us, Blade Runner is so big. But for the average yeah. movie go, Blade Runner is... And he has made a near three-hour, like, sci-fi... Masterpiece by Christopher Nolan. <laughs> we're, we're, we're like household favourite fucking Jared Leto. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, or we should talk about this. I know you discounted it, but Quentin Tarantino has had a microphone shoved in front of his face and said he would drop everything for directing Star Trek. Never in a billion about. years. Can, can you imagine? Look, do you I think can't even imagine. But what do you mean by it? Just that you don't think they'd get him? Or... I don't think I they'd just... let him. Really? Because it would be... They'd either, he'd either have to play by their rules, or it'd be an 18-rated uh, swear fest. <laughs> that's the two options. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I yeah. mean, like... Cantino, uh, like, he says, you know, you would, like, get on board, you you get out of the fucking room. I, I'd, I'd love don't... to see him do Hateful Eight... In the bridge. I don't think Roddenberry <laughs> is ever gonna. I think well, he, Rod Roddenberry. He, he would. Well, no, I think Gene would come <laughs> back from the grave if he heard the N word uttered during a Star Trek film. <laughs> to be completely honest, yeah. uh, I don't think he'd be impressed by that. Uh, yeah, whatever you think about it. Kurt Russell would have been a good Kirk. Older Kirk. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I mean, that's a dream, isn't it? Like, you know, Tarantino doing a well, Star Trek. I, I still much rather see Tarantino's Casino Royale. That's true, but at the same time... And even with thing. Casino Royale being great right now, I would still go Tarantino's Casino Royale. I'd just go and see but that. But do you think with these films, with James Bond, with uh, Star Trek, do you actually think that Tarantino would go, I'm doing a Tarantino film and it's going to be an 18 loads of violence and swearing or do you think because he is a geek at the end of the day like us he's a hardcore fan of these kind of franchises do you think that he would so he'd play he, the right yeah that he would dial it in and go no, oh no, actually I'm never, doing the legit thing but he's never had to work on a franchise and picture. he never will like right okay so but he, if he did do you think he'd go actually I'm going to pull myself in I'm going to be true to the franchise but still Put no, my... I just do not think that Kantari can compromise for anything. Ooh. Well, yeah, I mean, I think you're probably right. And it's God bless him for that. It's that point you said, Liam. Like he's he he hasn't had to have he hasn't had to compromise anything. But if he respects source material enough, which he obviously does, because so much of his stuff is yeah, homage. Yeah, yeah. If the thing he's homaging is like a you know straight laced kind of sci-fi franchise that doesn't go up to level ten, eleven, then yeah. will he? do that because that's what he does he's got two films left one Star Trek one James Bond <laughs> but I think there's the thing his ego would get in the way a little bit he like he I lost the source material so much he'd aim for it but then he's like I need to put my stamp on it I can't 
can't. And he'd have to work with a already cast cast, which is yeah. But he would do something that was mm. out of this. I fucking love to see it. I mean, I would love to see it too, but I know he, it would not. We need like... to pop to like an old dimension where it happens, see it, and then pop. I think the problem is there's, there's a version of the universe out there where Continuity gets his way, and I really uh, want to go to that one. <laughs> I think the problem is is that Star Trek, to be honest, I think is a bit like Bond, in the sense of they're never going to hire anyone like Nolan or like. Tarantino because they're bigger than the franchise. I still think Nolan will direct a Bond movie. You think he actually will? That I think he. I think, I think Bond to Nolan is what Star Wars was to JJ. Like he's right. I think it he's like happen. I'll do it. You think it will happen? It might be a little bit be- past when Nolan's at his best, but it will happen because he's not going to direct Craig, is he? No, because he wants uh, he, he, he wants, wants start a fresh again. start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which, and under- which makes sense, uh, understandably as well. So he's got. It's not the next one, at least. I mean, if rumours are to believe, but not like, the next Nolan's two. But, like, Nolan's young. Like, this is the thing. He's done is so he? much, like, in his in his career so far. He's not yet 50. Oh, uh, is he not? No. I think he's okay. early 40s. I might be wrong, but, yeah, I don't think he's that old. No. Oh, okay. He will come to Bond, like, when it's ready for him, and it will be amazing. Okay. I mean, yeah, certainly he'd be the guy to go to once Craig finally fucks off. Oh, yeah, that must no, be annoying no. for Craig. He's like, I'd love to do a Nolan Bond film, but he won't do it with me. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> because he doesn't want sloppy seconds, does he? Yeah, like, yeah, fucking <laughs> Craig. I, Craig has been, like, royally fucked <laughs> by this point, like, you know, by three different directors, possibly four. But he's the, the longest-serving Bond. Who is? Craig. What, in years? Yeah, in years. When this one comes years, out, years, it'll be it'll Roger be. Moore. In years. Not in movies. No, he'll bump over Bronson, will he? But um, in, ter- the, the winner. It, yeah, in terms, in terms of go over Bronson in terms of films. films yeah, yeah no one's ever going to be more in terms of films. No one is ever going to be Bond for seven films again. That ain't gonna fucking happen. Uh, but yeah, in terms of years, he'll yeah. he'll be him. It's because um, they've had so many big gaps between his films, haven't they? Yeah, it's exactly. the same gap between. Quantum and Skyfall than it was between Dying of a Day and Casino Royale which is yeah. crazy isn't it so I mean it's it's that thing I, mean, I don't think really I'm trying to think dream director for the role it, it's hard for me to kind of even think into because like I say I don't I think Star Trek I do relate it to Bond in the sense of you don't hire a director who's bigger than the franchise so I can't imagine Spielberg stepping on board and going oh, I'm going to do a Star Trek you know I can't see that I can't see like you say yeah. Tarantino he was my pick for Star Wars 9 coming yeah. on yeah I know you wanted Spielberg <laughs> on that um, you know and again I couldn't Why see him doing it <laughs> um, that would be interesting uh, you know I just I just he couldn't he was always meant to do a Star Wars oh, he never uh, will, here we will. go here's here's a possibility Mr. Ron Howard well because he does yeah. covers everybody like well no just because I kind of think he's in that sphere of respected but I wouldn't say that he's like mm. you know a he's, he's, he's not he's not he's, yeah exactly he's not an auteur yeah, he's directed three fucking Dan Brown movies like yeah, you know, <laughs> like, what I'm uh, talking about like, yeah he, exactly so I'm saying he's on that level where you go oh yeah, he's, um, he's decent I want, I want but, like, Willow you know. Ron Howard yeah he's on the level where uh, if they announced it was him you'd be like I could see yeah I can totally see it I yeah, want yeah. Splash Ron Howard I don't want like maybe I even want Ransom Ron Howard 
where he was like putting like ridiculous amount of violence in his films. Like, I would still need to see Ransom. So out of character. Like, that's an eighteen rated movie. Like, uh, I do really want to see Ransom. It's it good, yeah. Be. It shouldn't be. Like, every but when you we... say it shouldn't be, do you mean it shouldn't have that much violence in it, yeah. or it shouldn't be an eighteen? It shouldn't be that much violence in it. Oh right, okay. Like, it is it earns its eighteen right? Yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like... <laughs> It's ridiculous. Who is it? Who's the kid, Macaulay Culkin? No, I don't think it's that. Oh right, okay, okay. But like, whoever the kid so killed Gareth and people like that. But there's people who get shot in it. It's like fucking Paul Verhoeven stepped in. He did this like <laughs> Paul Verhoeven directed second unit on Ransom. That's what I'm saying. Like, it just amazing. Seems so I need not to see this movie. I need to fucking it is see it. So out of character. Like Gibbo. Oh. Gibbo this, this is why what was that Gibbo film we were talking about earlier Leaf Weapon Leaf Weapon <laughs> yeah, what was that Gibbo Leaf Weapon the Leaf Weapon quadrilogy I think you kind of realise when you watch when you see any TV show like how much you miss Mel Gibson and Leaf Weapon like if you, if you try and do that Riggs role without him it's just like this is just boring oh yeah no I mean that's that, that whoever that fucker is in the Leaf Weapon TV show he hasn't got any of the danger that Mel Gibson's got it's genuine danger. danger when you watch <laughs> him in those films and why because he is dangerous in real life and you yeah. should stay away from him like, uh, like uh, but he is I mean uh, in that role he, you, you, you genuinely feel he's a fucking crazy <laughs> as Riggs um, <laughs> when Murtag turns around to him and says Murtag Murtag when he realises as like Murtag down he realises it's not an act and he says like you know what does he say to him you're not you aren't trying to draw a psychopathy <laughs> you really are crazy yeah that's it like uh, you think yeah he's fucking right he's yeah you're like oh like, my uh, god you're a liability yeah. yeah yeah. and so there we go um, I think that's our car thoughts on where Star Trek 4 could go at this point I mean we don't know much at the end of the day. it's all very veiled in secrecy um, because they you know they haven't got past fucking stage one the writing process yet and we're not even sure if it'll happen yeah. but we want this is, it to this has been a real stream of consciousness about like where we think directors might come from and like yes. mm-hmm. yeah. I think it really is pie in the sky stuff but like if McTiernan directs it you heard it here first do we think Simon Pegg comes back to write our script I think yeah <gasps> does Simon Pegg direct no 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 you don't think he's there doing no more no Edgar Wright no. no, he's not directing a studio film, is he? Not after his experience of Ant Man. No. That doesn't happen. He, yeah, he's he's, sing, he's playing to his own tune, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I know, definitely, definitely. It's uh, his style never is never second three to the to the film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Imagine a Star Trek film full of crash zooms and that. <laughs> <laughs> fully soundtracked like uh, Baby oh Driver God. style with Beastie Boys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Exactly, exactly. Okay, well, I mean, you know, Star Trek Four. Personally, I hope it happens. Uh, I want to see another like one last ride for the JJ verse. Uh, but we will see, and when it does come, we'll be here to cover it on Spotlight. That's right. Thank you. I've been Paul Austin. I've been Matt Brothers. I've been Liam Dempsey. Bye. See you next see time. You, see you in uh, undisclosed year. <laughs> <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode of Spotlight and wish to support us, you can rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter at SpotlightPod. You can also get in touch and drop us a message directly by emailing spotlightpod at gmail.com.